Hello and welcome to the Melbourne Business School podcast. My name is Aaron Yeake and I'm an alumni of the school who recently published a book on the MBA experience, From Racetracks to Boardrooms, Was an MBA Worth It? In this series, I'm joined by fellow alumni to dive between the lines of the MBA experience and find out if doing an MBA was really worth it. Today, I'm joined by Nick McInnes. Nick graduated from the full-time program in 2015. In our catch-up, Nick talks to me about managing the fire hose of content and the unexpected lifelong learning that has happened since he graduated. Welcome, Nick. Hi, Aaron. Good to be here. Thanks for uh, coming along. Um, yeah, I'm really excited about hearing about your Melbourne Business School experience and your time in the full-time MBA, Yep, which was 2015. That's right. Yep. Ended in 2015. Take me through that a little bit. How, how long did that take you and what was that experience like? Well, it was a 12-month program. Uh, I can't remember exactly. I think it was about, uh, well, 12-month continuous. We had, uh, I did an internship at the end of it. Mm-hmm. It was a high-impact project more than an internship. I'm not sure whether that counts towards the 12 months. But, uh, um, yeah, it's a very intense experience. Learned heaps from it. Um, when I talk to some of the part-timers, they go, gosh, how do you do it in full-time? It's just <laughs> so intense. And how many of you in the program? I think there are about 40 of us. Mm. Yeah. I was a part-timer. So take me through, I guess, what, what does a day look like? So you guys are in class all day? Yeah, pretty much. So I, I don't exactly remember the start and end times, but you know, let's say you start at 8.30 or 9 o'clock in the morning. You go till about 12 um, with you know, one, one block, one subject. Then we had uh, this thing called FED, which stands for Food, Exercise, Downtime, which is actually a two-hour block uh, during which you're supposed to go and, you know, have a meal and rest if you need to, play a bit of sports, get your blood flow going. Um, and then you'd pick up again two hours later with another block of, uh, of, of lectures. Um, typically after that, uh, I think we've ended about six-ish, and then you'd get together in your syndicate. Syndicates are sort of your group work teams, and you'd uh, work on any assignments or, 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 or things that you need to, to hand in. Mm. So that varies. It wasn't every day necessarily, but you know, sometimes you go quite late. Sometimes you do have to catch up um, you know, on weekends if, if that's the most practical time. But um, no, it was, I think it was overall quite balanced. And I think that two-hour break in the middle was, was really uh, a fantastic element. The whole course, I understand, was designed to be you know, well-balanced, to take into consideration people's wellness and ability to learn. Yeah, so there is a lot of material coming at you. So having that break in the middle um, allows you to come back fresh and, and able to learn. Mm. I think the point about a lot of material, I think the comment you made to me was, it's like having a fire hose of content being fired at your head. So yeah. what, what did you mean by that? Well, you know, it, there's just so much coming at you from, from day one that it can be overwhelming. So I remember in the first weeks, I was just you know, wondering how on earth am I going to absorb all of this uh, knowledge, all of this material. Um, and I think it wasn't until you know, a couple of months in I realized, I don't think it's actually possible. I don't think, the, I don't think there actually is an expectation for you to absorb everything you know, in the first pass. So you've got to be judicious about how you manage your time, uh, what you absolutely have to master, uh, what you're actually interested in getting out of the MBA, so spend a bit more time doing that, and what you have a chance to come back to later. Mm. So I think once I realized that, I started to relax a bit and appreciate it more. And the good news is that um, you, know, you walk away from the MBA with a lot more than you realize. 
So I felt the whole time I was dropping bits and not sort of um, mastering everything to the level that I should be. But since my MBA, I've come back a number of times and gone, hey, I've seen this before. I know how to tackle this problem. I know I've seen the answer somewhere. And you can go back to your notes. You can go back to your books. You can reach out to your you know, classmates who are experts in that field. And, um, and you, you somehow have the keys to unlocking the problem. Um, so, yeah, it's like a fire hose, but, you know, it's not wasted water. You, know, you get to <laughs> sort of catch in the yeah. buckets. Uh, yeah. I want to come back to, yeah, how you're using that now because your, your background and where you're at is, is very interesting. But during that, when the fire hose is on you, what, what's the dynamic like with the, the 40 classmates there around you? Are you leaning on each other? Are you, I imagine it, intense environment. Are you Absolutely. enemies, friends? Yeah, yeah, no, no not enemies. I think um, there's just intense camaraderie that comes from being under this collective pressure. Uh, so you do look out for each other. And um, yeah, I think what's great about having this really mixed or diverse classes that there are some people who are really good at finance. There are some people who are really good at, you know, accounting. Some people are great, you know, experts at operations. And um, you're able to get learning, not just from the, the teachers, the class notes, but also from your classmates. And um, people are really you know, keen to share what they know and help out in syndicate work. And uh, it's, yeah, it really, it feels like um, a big family towards the end of the, of the class. And what, what is that? family look like paint, paint me the family portrait is it a is it a real mixed bag of backgrounds and... yeah so people from all over the world um different sort of i'd say we're all sort of our you know early to mid 30s more or less uh you know between three and I don't know, 10 years of experience under our belts different industries mm-hmm. um but it's, it's 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 very diverse it's not what i thought an MBA would look like. I yeah. was expecting a whole bunch of finance types and management consultants. There yeah. were quite a few of them, but you know, people from, from all over the place with very different backgrounds. So. And you yourself, you're an example of that. So medical? Yeah, so maybe not your typical MBA background. I did, um, my background is in hospitals. I'm not a doctor, but my undergrad was in medical science mm-hmm. and uh, did a master's in public health. Yep. Um, so really got interested in how do you maximize health outcomes uh, for people and in, most, in, in the most cost-effective way. Um, after I did that master's in public health, I got really interested in how do we manage the delivery of care? So how do we make that more efficient? Mm-hmm. Hospitals are full of waste and you, know, you hear about horrible outcomes and near misses and uh, you know, the rising cost, rising cost of healthcare in the world. So I, I really got interested in, well, how can we do that better? So I did a, another master's in healthcare management, economics and policy. Um, and so from there, I started working in hospitals. So I started, I was working in Italy, in Milan, this large private hospital, um, helped to launch a new cancer center there. Um, got to see a lot of, you know, uh, big problems that, that, that were sort of orphan problems. It was no one's job to actually go and fix them. So that it's not a doctor's problem. It's not really the management's problem, but they're just there. So I got to found the Lean and Continuous Improvement Office at that hospital and was basically given the mission to go and solve problems, make things more efficient, uh, improve outcomes and uh, improve patient experience. So really enjoyed that. Uh, sort of, it was like an internal consulting role basically. Did a lot of training as well to help frontline staff recognize problems, identify their root causes and help uh, implement solutions. Were you, can you speak Italian? Yeah. So, so you were working, in, working well, in Italian, English? So it was a bit of a challenge. I'm, I'm half Italian, half yeah. Australian, but I grew up in France. Oh. Spent. 18 years in Paris and then did my undergrad in Australia. The public health I did in Sweden and then the master's in healthcare management was in, was in Italy. So I did speak Italian, but it was, you know, 
family Italian, so not very professional. And it was interesting. The first few months were challenging, standing in front of you know graphs and going, what's the word for increase in Italian or decrease? So you know, have to find uh, workarounds like you know it's going upwards or it's going down. But uh, yeah, you pick it up after a while. And so then that experience, then this is before entering the MBA, correct? Yeah. So after a few years doing this this lean work, I sort of felt like I'd reached a plateau. wasn't quite I wasn't learning as much anymore, and I felt I was limited in the impact that I could have on the organization. Um, so I wanted to deepen my skills, broaden my skills as well, learn some things that I'd not studied before, so finance, accounting, strategy, everything basically. Um, and that's why I decided to do my MBA. And um, it was um, really surprising to me, I think towards the end of the MBA, I realized that, yes, I, I am now sort of, um, I understand finance and accounting, all the things that I'd, I'd come in to get, I got in a big way. But the most interesting thing for me was that I think I got the most out of the operations class. So that was supposed to be the field that I was, you know, already kind of a master in. I, it, was, it was my background. And um, I sort of went in there thinking, well, okay, I won't get too much out of the operations, but I'll get a lot of, out of everything else. But it was absolutely humbling um, what I didn't know and all of the other things that um, I could keep learning and all the concepts, the new tools that I got out of the operations and supply chain and logistics classes. It was fantastic. So now I've actually come back to the role that I already had you know, at a much more senior level, of course, but I feel way more able to, uh, to affect change. And to There must be quite a, I guess, gratifying feeling, being able to take the domain expertise, combine it with some additional knowledge, put it together and yeah. make impact, as you mentioned. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I feel like I'm doing you know, three times the, the, the work that I was doing before the MBA. And it is gratifying. Uh, it reminds me of this, you know, one of those silly things you see on LinkedIn, people post those graphs and, and inspirational quotes and things. But I saw this thing, um, and it's one of those Venn diagrams with three overlapping circles. One is what you're good at. The other one is uh, what you love, and the last one is uh, you know what the world needs. And you know, I work in hospitals. I make things more efficient and improve outcomes. So I'm definitely doing something that the world needs. Yeah. I can't feel. Um, I'm doing what I love. I like you know I get a kick out of that. But what I think the MBA really brought me was it really expanded the what you're good at sphere. Mm. And so of course that that intersection of the three circles is supposedly where you get the most satisfaction out of your life and your job. You know that sense of meaning. Mm. And so you know, by growing the what I'm good at and increasing the skills that I have and deepening my knowledge and operations and stuff, I think that that area of overlap has really grown significantly. Yeah. So I, I uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm feeling a lot more happy with yeah. what I can do at work now. So I guess on that point, grabbing you know, additional knowledge, you've, you've worked and studied all around the world. What, what factored into your decision, I guess, to come back to Melbourne and come home and Melbourne Business School? Did you consider other... Yeah. Other parts of the world or other yeah, programs? Kind of. I think so. There's, a, there's an, obviously, whenever you make a decision like that, there's many variables and factors mm. that influence it. But um, I think primarily it was, uh, well, you say going home, but home for me wasn't Australia. Home was France in a way. Good point. Yeah. So I had studied in Australia before. I'd done my undergrad uh, in Canberra. Yeah. Um, but, you know, that wasn't really satisfying in that, you know, I hadn't quite, well, growing up in France, I had this utopic vision of what living in Australia was like because <laughs> I'd only been there on holiday. So it was like beaches and jungles and everything. And obviously Canberra wasn't quite like that. <laughs> so I was getting to a point where I thought I really should give Australia another chance, yeah. probably do it right this time. <laughs> 
So Melbourne obviously was high up on the agenda, but that was only one factor. Obviously the next was, you know, rankings and reputations yep. and, um, you know, looking at what was available in Australia, Mel Melbourne Business School was, was you know, the best option mm. at the time. So, yeah, I kind of looked around options in the States. Um, of course, you know, the, the top tier uh, business schools there were, were on the list, but um, for my personal identity and growth through being part of or exploring my roots in Australia was, was important to me. So MBS was a no-brainer. And coming into it, you mentioned to me that it wasn't necessarily looking to, you wanted to stay in your field, didn't you? So you weren't looking really for a transition and, and you've, you've, you've done that, haven't you? You've stayed and you've yeah. grown. And yeah, that's right. So I thought that's what a lot of people were hoping to get out of the MBA, but I realized um, in my cohort, a lot of people were in it to sort of transition into another mm. field, another career. Some people are accountants, want to get into marketing or vice versa. And yep. a lot of people want to get into management consulting. Um, but I was happy in my field. I just wanted to be better at what I do yep. and, uh, you know, accelerate my career growth, I guess. Yep. And so some of those classmates, have they made those transitions? And Yeah, yep. yeah, yeah, definitely. So, um, you know, it's not easy necessarily if you've got a, you know, purely accountant background to get into marketing. So I think doing an MBA is, uh, well, a great way to help you. Mm. There's a fantastic careers team here who, who've coached many people through those transitions. They know the right people in the industry to help you. Um, so they, you know, those sorts of transitions I've seen um, occur you know, quite successfully. And we do get a lot of people in consulting. Mm. So uh, I was, well, three of my really close friends ended up at uh, McKinsey mm -hmm. in my year. Um, quite a few people ended up uh, working at Deloitte as well. Mm. Um, so there's you know, Bain and ATK and BCG, um, lots of, Lots of consulting firms yeah. come to campus and recruit for us. So mm -hmm. people want to get into that. That's also a good way of, of doing that. Yeah, absolutely. And so, you know, all those firms that you mentioned, huge and I guess in terms of strategy and business acumen and your role now, are you bringing elements? that? What does that look like now? And what are you, what are you doing now? We are currently um, the project lead for this Improving Emergency Access Collaborative, which is 11 hospitals coming together under the governance of Better Care Victoria, which is a branch of the Department of Health and Human Services. And we're looking at ways to improve access to emergency departments. So if you're a patient, you go to ED, um, we want you to have to wait less than four hours to be either admitted or discharged. And um, it's not easy. It requires a whole of health service approach. You can't just be tinkering in ED. You have to look at what happens on the wards and you know, subacute sites. And you have to get flow occurring all across um, the health service. So you need a, um, a big picture approach, map out the whole patient journey. And then, you know, you have to bring some skills. You have to be able to do some, some modeling, some analytics, some simulations sometimes to look at, you know, what would happen if we increased bed capacity by X percent? Mm -hmm. What if we were able to, you know, improve productivity in this ward by, you know, doing this, this, and this, would that help or not? So um, I think I'm mainly bringing additional operational skills at the table. But you know, you simple things like um, mastery of Excel and pivot tables, and, you know, things that seem silly now, um, and, and they're absolutely second nature to me, I don't think I would have been able to do before the MBA. Mm. So you, you sort of become the de facto, um, you're the, the, the go-to Excel guy. Mm. You're, the, you're the, the guru who can do things with stats and numbers, data. Um, and that wasn't even the primary intent of doing the MBA, but I've sort of become that now. And what about in terms of, do you still keep in touch with your classmates? And yeah, yeah, yeah. Is it, um, 
a strong network, I guess? It is a strong network. I, um, so immediately post MBA, I was recruited by Johnson Johnson, so I moved to Belgium for a year. So I was sort of cut out um, of the group. I just, I think I started the MBA expecting that at the end of it, everyone would just you know, disperse and go back to their home countries and sort of never see each other again. So I did that. I left, and then I realized that everyone had sort of stayed around in Melbourne. I was like, oh, no, I sort of left everyone behind. But um, I did come back to Melbourne, and I was really happy to see that uh, a lot of them are still here. And um, we do catch up regularly, have barbecues, and, and um, when a friend's in town, you know, we go and have a few beers together. Um, but, you know, we're, we're connected virtually as well. Of course, everyone has a WhatsApp group these days. Um, it's sort of degenerated a little bit lately into just a, a happy birthday sort of chat thing. But um, it's also a great resource. If you have a question, um, you can just shoot it on there and within an hour you've got two or three really solid answers yeah. about anything, sort of finance things. Or I recently asked about what's the best software to find the distance minimizing point for a hub in a sort of a logistics model. Uh-huh. I had to try and minimize or improve the location of a, a home nursing service. Within an hour, someone was like, try this. And I was like, perfect, that's the right answer. Isn't that great? It's sort of back to what you were saying earlier about just having the, the knowledge on tap, I guess, mm-hmm. to go back to your, your fire hose yeah. analogy in that it's being fired at you initially and maybe you're not catching all of it at the time, but you've still got you know, yeah. an ability to reach out. And That's right. And, and you know, so what you yourself can't absorb during the MBA, you know, you've got fallback options. So you know it's your books, your professors, I'm still in touch with a lot of them but then also your peers. So what, whatever you're not absorbing, someone else might be. Mm. So you can always go back to them and say, hey, what was that thing again? Where, you know, how do you calculate that? One of those 40 people out there is gonna give you the answer. Mm, yeah, fantastic. So if we rewind the clock now, so to sort of Nick start of 2015, or no, actually start of 2014 yeah. actually, is there any advice you would, you would give him and um, his journey he's about to embark on? So day one, hey, um, Probably something, well, look around the room and um, realize that, you know, everyone in there is going to be sort of like family in 12 months. So get to know them early. Just start, uh, you know, mingle, interact with them because the, you know, the sooner you get to know them, the more fun you're going to have. Mm. Um, and then, yeah, so back to the, the, the academic side, it is a fire hose. <laughs> you know, it's going to be difficult to drink from it all at one time. So relax what you don't absorb now you are not losing. You will pick it up a bit later. And even what you are picking up now, you will reinforce when you go out and actually start applying it in in your work consistently. So um, the MBA doesn't stop at the end of the 12 months. You continue to cement your learning, you know, when you're out in the workforce and what you didn't quite get, the readings you didn't get to during the MBA, you'll be able to pick up, you know, on a weekend one day when you feel like it. Mm. So, you know, relax. You're on on a lifelong journey here. It's not just you know, if you don't get it, you've lost it. Sort of. mm. Yeah, I really like that because I guess sometimes we view it as, uh, you know, a finite amount of time and then it just kind of stops and it ends. But your point about the ongoing learning, the, the network and being able to reach back out to the hose and you need it. Yeah, yeah. very good point. Yeah, fantastic. So some rapid questions I'll ask. You respond. High point of the experience? Shanghai, business in Asia. So that was a trip over to Shanghai? Yeah, yeah that's right. That's a, uh, that is a trip uh, you know, the class goes to Shanghai in their syndicates, in their sort of groups, um, with the goal of helping a business answer a, a business question. So we partnered out with startups, with small companies, with large companies too. Um, so this is real work, you know, reaching out to these clients. 
And um, you ba usually we're sort of helping them answer a market entry question. So would it be worth it for them to enter the Chinese market, say? Um, what so would these be the are risks and local companies here in Australia looking at Chinese yep. markets? Or, yeah. Yep, yep. Um, so it's, you know, it's free consulting for them. It's also a good experience for us. Um, so you take this question and you go out there and I think we had 10 days or a week or something to come up with an answer. Mm. So, um, you know, you meet with local businesses in China, um, you meet with entrepreneurs and sort of government agencies, um, people on the street, if you need to, you do sort of focus groups, interviews. You basically do a real consulting projects in a foreign country with the goal of having uh, a set of recommendations for a real company when you come back. So it should be value adding for the company and it should be, um, well, you know, a learning experience for us. But it was uh, absolutely the high point of, of the MBA. Um, it happens towards the end of it. So everyone, it's a tough year. There's a lot of learning. So the fact that it happens at the end, you know, you already know everyone really well. And as adults, you don't really get a chance to go on field trips that often. You know, you do it as a kid and you go to a museum. And, but, you know, as grown-ups in a, in a foreign land, you know, you kind of left up to your own devices and you can go out to bars and stuff. It's just, it's just heaps of fun. It's a very unusual experience very rare opportunity. And um, I think everyone I speak to says something like that. Just the trip to Shanghai was one of the best moments of their lives, not yeah. just the MBA, but yeah. you know, it's fantastic. I think I did, I did the same subject as a part-time student, so as an elective and yeah, it's a, you know, what a city to go to. It's such a bubbling metropolis yeah. and there's so much happening. So yeah, fantastic. Any low points of uh, the, the program? Oh, well, I'm gonna have to say probably corporate finance. <laughs> Corporate finance is tough. Favorite subject? Operations. Going back to your background, favorite faculty and why? So Kanan, Seth Rahman is the professor of operations. Um, he's just so good at what he does. He's um, extremely knowledgeable and a great professor, but I think what really distinguishes him is how much he really cares about every single student. So um, he, you know, he spends the time, he gets to know people, and he knows what your true potential is. He knows better than you, what you can actually achieve. And he tells you all the time. So he coaches you, uh, he believes in you. He, you know, he has sometimes tough conversations about you know, how you know, he, he was expecting you to do a little bit better. And, and that just motivates people to do really, really well. And um, I've on multiple occasions just received you know, random phone calls, random pep talks from him uh, and sort of career advice. And he's just such a great guy and uh, still in touch with him, still get, um, you know, tips and, and feedback from him about operations. So fantastic. Did, does he ever say to you now, I think you could be potentially doing <laughs> a bit more? No, has, he, has he dialed that back a bit now? Probably dialed a little bit back, but, um, but you know, I, I, would, I would really appreciate it. That's the sort of, you know, it's like goodwill hunting or something. That's that sort of relationship that you have with, with, with him. It's fantastic. Yeah, fantastic. I, I think I had a few of those conversations with him. Uh, main method of de-stressing during the program? Um, Probably sort of exercise, sports. So really um, making the most of that fed, so food, exercise, downtime in the middle of the day. So taking a break, going to the gym, coming back and um, starting fresh in the afternoon. Yeah, good idea. Paper notes or laptop? Um, paper notes, actually. Started out electronic, but one of our professors actually said, um, you know, handwriting actually embeds those neural grooves and you know, helps learning. and. With the fire hose, I was doing everything I could to help the learning, so I went back to paper. Good to hear paper's still around. Finish the sentence. Group assignments are? Group assignments are challenging. Social life, did it exist or did it disappear? I'd say it changed. 
it changed. So initially you just absorbed 100% by the work and then you realize that the work that you're doing is with friends and so the social life kind of changes and yeah. Sort of existed. morphs. Yeah. yeah, yeah, good one. Uh, thinking back to the start of your MBA uh, and where you thought you might end up, mm-hmm. has that differed much to where you've actually ended up? Um, well, kind of. So in a, in a bit of a roundabout way. So I, I started the MBA wanting to stay in hospitals and what I was doing. Right after the MBA, I actually ended up in the pharmaceutical industry. So I was excited to go on a, a, a you know, slightly different tangent, different journey, still within healthcare. But um, it's interesting that a year after I joined the pharma industry, I actually moved back to hospitals. So no, I actually sort of came back to what, what I was planning to do initially. Well, thank you very much for sharing experiences and your insight. I've, I've really enjoyed it. Me too. No worries, Aaron. Hope you enjoyed today's conversation. If you'd like to listen to more, please subscribe to the Melbourne Business School podcast on iTunes or SoundCloud.